0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are always with us, that your presence in our lives transforms us, makes us new people, and that came from Jesus coming here to earth to live a perfect life, the life we couldn't live, and then to die in our place to pay the penalty that we owed you. And God, this season in which we're going to be talking about generosity, we thank you for your generosity to us. You have always shown us Goodness, graciousness, love, power, and you've given those things to us freely simply by becoming followers of your Son, Jesus. And so we pray today that your Holy Spirit will fill us, that as we hear from your Word, that you will use us uh, as your stewards, your managers of your creation, that you would be glorified in our lives and that we would be faithful to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you've all joined us online for worship as we kick off our New Beginnings Generosity series. One area where a new beginning will transform your everyday life more than anything after you trust Jesus, Savior, and Lord is in the area of generosity. That's why I love to preach about generosity. Living generously with our time, talents, treasure, and touch reflects God's presence in our lives to everyone in our spheres of influence. Let's look at that statement again because whatever our attitude has been about generosity in the past, a new beginning in the area of generosity is what we all need. So here it is. Living generously with our time, talents, treasure, and touch reflects God's presence in our lives to everyone in our spheres of influence. During these four weeks, we're going to take a look at what it means to be generous with our time, our talents, our treasure, and our touch as we become more generous as we become maybe even sacrificially generous with our time, talents, treasure, and touch, we're going to reflect God's presence to anyone that we have the opportunity to be around. How can I make such a bold statement? Because generosity demonstrates a supernatural influence in our lives. Human beings are born selfish. It's part of our fallen human condition. God created us as loving, giving, caring beings. When we turn to Genesis 1 and 2, the first two uh, chapters of the first book of the Bible, we find that God had created the first two people, Adam and Eve, for a relationship of love with him and a love relationship for each other. It was perfect, just perfect, but that perfection ended when Eve and Adam chose to disobey God to put their desires first, and that's selfishness. From that moment on, we've been takers rather than givers by nature. We want to accumulate and consume, a cycle that causes us to seek money and security, pleasure and power. If you're thinking, wait a minute, Chris, I know people who are generous and they're not even Christians. And I won't argue with you. I won't argue that if by generous you mean people who are ones who give their resources to help others. I know people who aren't Christians who do that too. I was a Boy Scout. And our slogan as Boy Scouts was, do a good turn daily. It's generous to do something good for someone else every day, right? Well, as far as it goes, but what's the, what's the motivation behind it? Is it just to check the good deed off the to-do list for that day? Is it so that somebody is going to think well of me? Is it to get a tangible reward? You see, when we get to the level of motivation, it's hard to say when investing our time, talents, treasure, and touch are being generous Or just trying to overcome a sense of guilt or maybe to prove that we're worthwhile. Here's my point. True generosity comes from the heart of God. Let me say that again. True generosity comes from the heart of God. That's because only God is good and perfect. And James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Once we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord then we're changed from the inside out. Jesus said it was such a big change, he called it being born again. The Spirit of God comes into us, empowers us, and we start to live a new life from the inside out. But here's the challenge. Even after that happens, the Holy Spirit and the sinful nature battle inside us for control. The Holy Spirit and the Let's call this the Holy Spirit and our sinful nature have a battle going on inside of us. And the Apostle Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 5, 16 to 18. He said, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So when the Holy Spirit is directing you and me, we're not under obligation to, the Mos- to Moses' law. What that means is we don't need some law to tell us what to do or some slogan from, you know, from being a Boy Scout or anything that's on the outside of us. We won't need outside influences to tell us what to do. The key, though, is to yield control of our lives, of our selfish natures to the Holy Spirit, to submit our wills to His. That takes doing what I talked about a couple weekends ago. We must think differently or act differently, or both. The Holy Spirit gives us the supernatural ability to think differently and to act differently. These four weeks, what we're going to do is focus on what it looks like when we think differently and when we act differently when it comes to our time, our talent, our treasure, and our touch. Today's focus is time. I titled the message, Too Little Time. Have you ever felt like you don't have enough time? Does it seem most days have more to do than you can fit into your to-do list? Does does it seem like there's just too much going on? Well, you know, statistically, the, the vast majority of Americans are sleep deprived. And why do I bring that up? Because it shows us that we won't admit to God that we were created for rhythms of work and rest. We just work, work, work. We just keep pushing, pushing, pushing until we're exhausted and then we drop in the bed and right before we go to bed we set the alarm so that we can get jarred awake before we're rested so that we can do it all again. In today's reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, we're going to look at what it means to use our time wisely because only when we use our time wisely will we use it generously. Before we turn there, let's look at today's take-home point. And if you're watching for the first time, the take-home point is the one point I'm going to make from the scripture today that we want to take home and live it out in the week ahead. So here it is. Using our time wisely means investing in eternity every day. Let me say that again. Using our time wisely means investing in eternity every day. Have you ever thought, that we are not physical beings who are searching for some kind of spiritual existence. We are actually spiritual beings who are living out a physical existence. Because here's the thing, we are eternal beings. We are going to live forever and we're going to either spend eternity with God or we're going to spend eternity separated from Him. We, we often get so wrapped up that we forget that. We, we're so engaged in our physical being That we forget that we are eternal beings. Many who deny the spiritual basis of life, you know, atheists, agnostics, they keep themselves so busy with activity because, you know, when we pause, when we stop, when we rest, what do we do? We start to think about the bigger picture, the bigger things of life. And people don't really want to think about the implications that we are eternal beings because it frightens us or it offends us if we're not really following the Lord. Using our time wisely means investing in eternity every day. So let's turn to Ephesians 5 15 to 21 to see how we can live wisely and invest our time generously so that we and others around us will be blessed and so that we can experience the power of living eternally every single day. If you have your Bible or Bible app, would you turn with me to Ephesians 5? If you have an actual Bible, it's most of the way to the back of your Bible. If you have version or some other Bible app, it's a lot easier. You just click on Ephesians. There it is. It will also be on your screen. So let's read verse 15 of chapter 5. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Well, that's straightforward, isn't it? Be careful how you live. Did your mom or dad ever tell you to be careful? Every time I took the car as a teenager, my mom would say, be careful. That's because right after I got my driver's license when I was 16, I wrecked my mom's car. Now, I wasn't hurt, and and really the car wasn't hurt that bad either, but it was such an old car, it wasn't worth getting fixed. So my dad bought another used car. I guess now we buy pre-owned cars, but back then they were They were used. Anyway, that weekend, my dad came up to me with the keys to that car in his hands and he dropped them into my hand and he said, your mom and I are going away for the weekend and we can't afford another stunt like this past week, so be careful, (laughs) be careful, Now, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I thought I was gonna be grounded from driving the car until I was 21. My dad was not the forgive and forget kind of a guy, but he had just given me the keys to the family car, the new car that my mom was, you know, the only car she had to drive, and he said, be careful. Now, trust me, that weekend, I drove like I was a little old lady on my way to church. I don't know if that's what what Paul meant when he said, be careful how you live, but it was something along those lines. Do the right thing. He expanded on his comment by saying, don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. We're talking about how we're using our time here, right? In the original Greek, Paul said, don't walk as those who are unwise, but as those who are wise. The idea of walking seems so slow. I mean, Paul didn't say, don't run, don't ride, don't fly as those who are unwise, but as those who are wise, what he was saying is, don't walk. Take your time. Think through what you're doing. Live your life in a careful way. Be intentional about what you're doing. Look both ways before you cross the street. When it comes to using our time, have you ever thought that generosity comes when we make wise decisions before we do anything? The logic is simple. Bear with me. When we start with a good decision, we don't have to redo what we did We don't have to start over, or we don't have to attempt to undo a bad decision. If we're not wasting time, we have more time available to be generous. Have you ever done something and then thought, why did I do that? What if you'd started by being careful? by walking as one who is wise. Now, I'm not judging, obviously. I'm the one who wrecked my mother's car whenever I was 16. And I've made hundreds, possibly thousands of bad decisions because I didn't start by being careful. I didn't start by walking as one who is wise. But we're talking about new beginnings here in generosity and specifically new beginnings in generosity with our time. That starts with being careful and walking or living wisely. But Paul continued. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Paul made an assumption. The times are evil. That was 2,000 years ago. Now, we've made a lot of improvements in the last 2,000 years. Technologically, we've advanced so far in those past 2,000 years. But we have to admit, one of the realities of those advances in technology is we've actually made it easier to do evil. Paul urged us to make the most of every opportunity. Some translations read, make the most of the time. Life is filled with choices, good ones and bad ones, right ones and wrong ones, wise ones and foolish ones, righteous ones and evil ones. Every time we make a choice and we let the Holy Spirit guide that choice, we'll make a good choice, we'll make a wise choice, we'll make a right choice or a righteous choice. The result of such choices is, is good stewardship or management. Stewardship is a biblical word, but we basically what we're meaning is we manage what God has entrusted to us. In this case, we're talking about time. Time is life. We all know people who have made bad choices or evil choices, or even people who were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and because of those choices or situations, they ended up Dead. What Paul is warning us is to be careful, to walk wisely, make the most of the time. And as we take those actions, we're going to be living as faithful stewards and we'll be able to be more generous with our time. What do I mean by being more generous with time? Well, for example, if I chose to spend all evening binge watching a television show, then I can't use that evening to visit someone who's sick. Or to prepare a meal for someone who just had a baby or to go to walk, for a walk with my wife or even to go to bed early so I can get some rest so I can wake up prepared for a new day. Any of those, choice, any of those choices or decisions is generous or at least wise in, 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 when it comes to using my time. So Paul summed it up in his next statement. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. A lot of people aren't evil. They just don't think about what they're doing. They're sort of like logs floating down the river. And you know, if you're a log floating down the river, nothing wrong with that until you come to the rapids or the waterfall, right? One thing I love about Paul is when he tells us what we shouldn't do, he also generally tells us what we ought to do too. In this case, he tells us what we're supposed to do is to understand what the Lord wants you to do. How do we do that? Well, it's simple. We read his teachings and then we put them into action in the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't act thoughtlessly when we do that. You you can't act thoughtlessly if you read the word of God and then you apply it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is it takes intentionality to, to read the word of God. We either have to open up a Bible or a Bible app or we have to listen online and then we have to not just hear the words, but we have to understand them. And if we don't understand them, then we need to get somebody to help us, or maybe we need to do some more research. And if you're thinking, wait a minute, that sounds like work. (laughs) Yes, it does, because it is. It is work. Following Jesus takes time, which means we must set aside time for that investment. But here's where the analogy of investing time really applies. At first, when we read the Bible or listen to the Bible, or we attend or watch a Bible study or, or, or a small group, we might feel like nothing is happening. There's no change. It's sort of like when we put our first few dollars into an investment account. It doesn't seem like much is happening. But over time, we add a little bit, we add a little bit, the interest compounds, and suddenly we have a ton of money. It's the same way when it comes to knowledge and understanding and living out the Bible. Billy Graham, you know, the famous evangelist, was once asked how he came to understand the Bible so well. And he, 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 he looked straight at the, the interviewer and he said, it's simple. All you have to do is read the Bible for an hour every day for 40 years. Now, I don't want you to get discouraged thinking that you have to read the Bible for an hour every day for 40 years before you can understand anything in the Bible. But if you want to understand the Bible the way Billy Graham did, it is going to take an hour a day for 40 years. Paul continued, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we've looked at that verse many times over the years at New Life, and that's because it's such a vital verse. Paul starts by telling us, as he often does, something we shouldn't do. He says, don't get drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Sometimes using our time wisely starts with not using it foolishly. Getting drunk once probably won't ruin your life. But sometimes people have gotten drunk one time and it has impacted their life, even ended their life. But but when you live a lifestyle of getting drunk day after day after day, what Paul is saying is it's going to ruin your life. Paul tells us instead, we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we've focused on that single half of a verse, be filled with the Holy Spirit dozens and dozens of times in the years, over the years here at New Life. And you know why? Because of of the original Greek intent. It's a present passive imperative verb. What that means is Paul said, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. The battle that's raging on inside of us between the Holy Spirit and our sinful nature. You know that battle that we talked about at the beginning from Galatians chapter 5. It takes a toll. And the Holy Spirit doesn't get run down. I mean, the Holy Spirit is God. He never gets run down. But we get run down. And we need to be reminded to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to let the Holy Spirit live in us, dwell in us. Over and over, we need to be reminded about that. I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me every day. As soon as I get up, really, I I go through a a, a process of prayer. And the, the third thing I do after I praise God for a new day, after I confess my sin, is I say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me live in the power of your Holy Spirit. And then sometimes throughout the day, whenever I feel like the Holy Spirit is just not strong in me, I'll ask again, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because I know how easy it is for me not to live carefully, how easy it is for me not to live as one who is wise, how easy it is for me to live thoughtlessly I know that I'm not going to get drunk with wine because I don't drink alcohol, but I will not live generously with my time or any other part of my life if the Holy Spirit isn't filling me on the inside so that my life is changed from the inside out. I encourage you to invest a little bit of time every day asking the Holy Spirit to fill you and then opening yourself so that you can. After all, the verb is passive. It says, be filled not fill yourself. I put my hands up there because whenever the Holy Spirit fills me, I want to get all of Him that I can get. When we've taken all the position, these positive actions that Paul told us to take, you know, being careful, not being unwise, but being wise, not living thoughtlessly, when we be filled with the Holy Spirit, not getting drunk with one, we do all of those things, he says, here's what's going to happen. Our lives are going to change. And the change is not maybe what you're going to expect. You might be expecting that you're going to know the Bible better or you're going to be more serious Those things might happen, but here's what Paul says are going to happen. He said, we're going to be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among ourselves and making music to the Lord in our hearts. He says, we're going to be giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, we will be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the return on our investment of being careful of living and walking wisely, of understanding what the Lord's will is, of being filled with the Holy Spirit, is that we're going to be, first of all, singing among ourselves. That, that, that's an interesting thing. And in our own hearts, we're going to have joy and, and the melody of God in our hearts. We're going to thank God for everything that we do in Jesus' name. And thanking God is something that really develops grateful hearts, and grateful hearts are generous hearts. Finally, we'll submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. That means that we're going to work to bless others. We're going to look for how we can help other people. And we're going to do that out of reverence for Jesus. That means that we are going to be so different. We're we're just going to be new people. And that's what the goal really is. And it's going to take time. But over time, we will be different. And here it is. The focus of our time as Jesus' followers is living His will not doing whatever we want. Time is life, and using our time to live well glorifies God. Now, if you're thinking, I'm not sure I want to live like that. I mean, it it sounds boring to me. I understand. I really do understand. I used to think what we just read, you know, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs to the Lord, making melody in our heart, giving thanks to God for everything, all that stuff, it, it sounded boring. You know why? I had not tried it. It sounds boring when we haven't tried it, but once we have let the Holy Spirit rule in our lives, once we get used to Him filling us up and empowering us to live the Spirit, our lives in the Spirit, life becomes better, so much better, so much different. And I'm not talking about living a self-righteous life. You know, Jesus never could get along with the self-righteous Pharisees of his day. And remember how Pastor Alex and Pastor Mark reminded us last week that Jesus hung out with sinners and he enjoyed it. He didn't just do it because he had to. He actually enjoyed it. You see, Jesus took his life seriously and that meant investing his life in all kinds of people. What I'm talking about right now is waking up every morning and investing our day in doing whatever it is that God designed you to do. Maybe he designed you to teach because you're a teacher. He designed you to build houses. He designed you to cut and style hair. Maybe he designed you to be a student. You're learning right now, or to play soccer or football, or or to to play a musical instrument. Maybe he he, he designed you to preach, or maybe to sell products. Whatever it is, whatever it is, he designed us to do those things. And as we do those things, to be careful, to be wise. To make the most of every moment, understanding the Lord's will and sharing that will with others in the power of the Holy Spirit. As we do those things, that is what we will, as we do those things, the Holy Spirit is going to be leading and more and more we're going to have moments where our time is invested for eternity. The more of the moments are going to be experiencing satisfaction in our life. It only comes from the inside when the Holy Spirit is leading us. Again, none of us is going to do that perfectly. But even doing it imperfectly brings so much more joy than drifting, than being fools, than doing whatever else we do to waste the precious gift of time and life that God gives us. The longer I live, the surer I am of one thing God has given us more than enough time to do what He created us to do. As we invest our moments and then our days in doing that, we're going to understand more and more what it means to be both wise and generous. With our time, which is why today's next step is this I will use my time wisely every day this week. I will use my time wisely every day this week. I challenge you and me, each and every one of us, to make the most of our time this week. God is going to be glorified as we do, our lives are going to matter in ways that we may have never experienced before, and best of all, others are going to experience God's life and love through us. Amen? Amen. Well, everything I've said today relies on the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. And that only happens when Jesus is our Savior and Lord. We talk about this all the time here at New Life, how important it is for Jesus to be Savior, which means rescued He has rescued us from sin and death, and Lord, which means Master or Owner. When that happens, then the Holy Spirit comes in and starts to change us from the inside out. And for Jesus to be Lord and Master in your life, if He never has been, is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's as simple as A-B-C. A means to admit. Admit that I'm a sinner. Admit that I am selfish. Admit that when I wake up in the morning, if Jesus is not Lord and Savior in my life, I might do some good things during the day, but even when I do them, I expect a reward. I expect people to notice. I expect that I'm going to get something from it. Admit it. B is believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord. And as I say so often, that belief is not just an intellectual knowledge that there was a guy named Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. No, that's that's not enough. We need to believe that that Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago is indeed the son of the living God, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross, rose from the dead for me, for you. And when we do that, then we transfer ownership of our lives from our selfish natures to God. And we let the Holy Spirit come in when Jesus is Lord and Savior. And then see, we confess to God that we're sinners. It's not enough to admit to other people or even myself that I'm a sinner. I need to confess to God that I'm a sinner and the sins that I have so they can be forgiven. And then I need to confess to other people that Jesus is Lord. I need to let them know that he's Lord and Savior in my life. Now, if you've never done that, I'm going to encourage you to do that right now as we pray. And for the rest of you who are watching online, who have already trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, let's recommit ourselves to living fully for Him and making the most of our time this week for Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your goodness and love. We thank You so much that You created time, You created us, and that You've given us the opportunity to live our lives wisely, carefully, thoughtfully, in an understanding way, in the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, we pray that we will do that right now. I pray for anybody who has never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, that right now they would simply admit, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit that I have fallen short of what you set as the standard, which is perfection. I'm selfish and I need you. And God, I pray right now that they, will, that they will believe in Jesus. They will trust him and say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of the living God. You are my savior and my Lord. I, I receive you right now. I trust you. And God, right now, we all confess, and especially those who are just believing in Jesus for the first time, that, that we are sinners and that we are, we are so imperfect. We have wasted time and we have done things with our time that, is, that are so unwise. And right now we, we, we turn those over to you and we ask you to redeem them. And God, we confess before everyone who, who we know that Jesus is Lord and Savior in our lives. And I pray, God, right now for those of us who have made that confession of faith, maybe, maybe a week ago, maybe a year ago, maybe a decade ago for me, 50-some years ago. God, I pray that you would fill us anew with your Holy Spirit so that that battle that's going on, that we will submit ourselves anew and afresh to your spirit, that we can live our lives in your power, in your glory, so that we will make the most of the time in these evil days, that you will be glorified and that others will come to know you too because of the way we live our lives in joy and in power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. If you just trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord for the very first time, would you please just click that raise your hand button and somebody will be there to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus and to live that new life with with your time now being redeemed or made new and free to serve God. The rest of you, have a great week. God bless. We hope that you'll join us again next week.